Well, hey, this morning, get your Bibles out to Philippians 3. We're going to be there as our main text for this morning. And I want to, uh, for any guests in the house, just say, so glad that you're here. I had a pleasure of meeting some of you before the service. Some of you are wondering, well, that's interesting, Pastor. You have a tent on your stage with a light inside and lanterns and all this kind of stuff. Well, we're in a series called Happy Camper. And the series is basically a metaphor for our journey in this life that we're supposed to be campers. Not just any kind of camper, happy campers, because we know where we're going, we know where we're headed, and we've been challenging you to travel light and to stay on track. In fact, last week, the sermon was on staying on the trail, staying on the trail. I was highlighting the fact that God's Word says there's a highway that's called holiness, and the trail that God asks us to stay on is, is the straight trail. It's the trail that's leading us to the destination where we want to go. Jesus has blazed the trail for us. How many of you know Jesus never asks us to go any place he himself has not walked before us? Aren't you grateful for leaders who lead by practicing what they preach? Amen? Jesus always practiced what he preached, and he says, you know what? I want you to follow me now. And uh, we need to make sure that the aim of our life is Christ-likeness. If we want to reach our intended goal, and we talked about this, Jesus is coming back to establish a new heaven and a new earth. We're going to reign with a resurrected Savior on a resurrected planet in a resurrected body forever and ever and ever. And it's going to be more awesome than we can comprehend. We need to keep those thoughts before us because that's the destination. But holiness is the trail. And so many people fritter away, that they, they, they loiter on their way to heaven. They allow compromise and raccoons to get in and spoil the provision uh, and to ruin uh, the, their focus and to get them off track. And I really challenged you last week, and I hope you know there's times for uh, pastoral exhortation. That's what that was called last week. I hope you felt exhorted, not condemned, but exhorted. Anybody feel exhorted? Like, I want to live like Jesus, all right? That's what the purpose of last week was, is don't disqualify yourself for cheap substitutes. Don't disqualify yourself with all the stuff the enemy flashes in our face that get us off track when we have such an incredible prize awaiting us. And I reminded you that Hebrews 11, which everybody loves to read, it's the faith chapter. Hebrews 11 is followed by Hebrews chapter 12, and Hebrews chapter 12 begins with these words, and they're important words. Work at living a holy life. Those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Those are sobering words. Work at it. I just got to ask you, does anybody in this room have to work at personal consecration, at purity, at Christlikeness besides me? Am Am I speaking to the right group? You don't just wake up in the morning and go, I just feel like Jesus today. I just, you look in the mirror and you go, I just look like Jesus. I love that glow coming off my face. Are you kidding me? I just want to, I want to dispel a myth too that some of you might be having that, you know, I come home and all my kids gather around my feet every morning. They say, speak to us, oh wise father. Teach us the ways of God. Are you kidding me? I got to, I got to deal with all the stuff you have to deal with. Walking in holiness requires effort. Being like Jesus requires focus. Having a pure heart requires that we do certain things and we don't do certain things. This takes work. And I know some of you that work is a cuss word. It's a dirty word because it means, ah, pastor, are you telling me there's personal effort on my part? Let me spell this out for you. Yes. Yes. I'm telling you this, if you do nothing, 
you will be a pagan. If you do nothing, you'll be a pervert. Pastor, yeah, I just said that word in church. It's true. If you don't work at pursuing Christ's likeness, it's like if you take a stone and you drop it in the water, what does it do by nature? What is a stone's nature? It will sink to the bottom. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You take a vacation from God, and I'm telling you, you don't look nothing like Jesus. I don't look anything like Jesus. We have to be focused on being like Christ. We have to pursue him. I'm speaking the truth this morning. Work at it, the Bible says. Work at it. Because here's the, here's the enjoinder on this. Without holiness, not a one of us will see the Lord. Whoa. That should, that should sober us up right there. Wake up. Your personal consecration matters to God. And let me just say this. Your personal consecration matters to me. It matters to the people around you. This is a community effort. So I, last week it was just a challenge. You know what? If you've, got, if you've been getting sloppy in your walk with God, tighten it up. If you've been drifting away from your time spent in worship, time spent in prayer, time spent in the Word, and let me say a fourth thing, time spent in your corporate commitment to be with God's people and to honor Him with the first, the very first of the first day of the week. I tell you this all the time, Sunday is not the weekend. Sunday is the beginning of your week. Ding, 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 ding. This is not play day. This is a day to give your best, everything that you have, honoring Jesus, loving him, getting recentered on this, and focusing on your final destination. Hello, I know this sounds like a wake-up call to a culture, an American culture, where it's all about play, 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 play. And hear me, play is good. We need play. Hear me, we need vacations. Hear me, we need downtime. We need all these things. But I'm just telling you there's a priority to Sunday morning that sets your week straight. That if you somehow think that this is just a long weekend, you're going to miss out because you just missed the first day of the first day of the week. And how many of you know when you're a day behind before the week even started, it's not a good thing. We're setting things in order now. We know where we're going. In fact, I want to talk to you this morning about setting your focus on your destination. And I'm going to hit this quickly because we're, we're running short, all right? But look at Philippians 3 with me. Philippians 3.13. Paul speaking here. He says, No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. I focus on this one thing. He said, I'm forgetting the past. I'm looking forward to what lies ahead. I'm going to press on and reach the end of the race, and I'm going to receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Let me ask you this question. Where is Paul writing these words? What's the location? Prison. Remember I said we're going through lots of tents in this life, and if somebody lied to you along the way and said, if you just find the dotted line, give your life to Jesus, you're going to live happily ever after, and you're going to live a life free of concern, and it's going to be perfectly easy. How many of you know they lied to you? What separates us from our unbelieving friends is not the absence of challenges and issues and trials and things like that. Now, how many of you know when you're lost, you don't know God, and you're making bad choices, you're going to create a lot of your own mess? How many of you figured out when you're making good choices, you don't have the messes that go with the bad choices? That's part of what it means to live a righteous life. Some of you are recovering from bad choices. That's okay. You're going to recover. But bad choices come with bad consequences. 
But here's the point. There are, there are people who are persecuted for making good choices. There are people that go through difficult situations in this life who didn't do anything wrong. But here's the difference. Some of you know we've got the overcomer living inside of us. We've got the resources of heaven blowing at our back. We've got the promises of God to inspire us and give us hope. And that's the difference. So we're moving ahead. We're going through challenges. We're breaking through things. We're going to move from tent to tent to tent. But I'm just trying to drive home the point. Paul's writing this from prison. This is not a comfortable place that he's writing these words. And he says, you know what, I'm focusing on this one thing. The Bible tells us this, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Have you noticed that to be true in your life? If you have not sold out in your heart, in your mind, and say, you know, I'm living for Christ. I love the worship this morning. Didn't you enjoy the, the theme? was such, a, such a, a, a theme of surrender to God and giving ourselves to the Lord. It's like if you're not going to be focused on Christ-likeness, focused on your eternal reward, focused on doing it God's way, if you're double-minded, you're going to be unstable. You're going to be blown to and fro. And, and the church, let me just say this, the church is full of people that are very, very unstable. One minute they're hot for God, the next minute they're not. One minute they're committed on whatever the spiritual discipline, they're committed, the next minute they're not. Come on, you've got to get focused on this thing. You've got to settle it in your heart that you're going somewhere. And I, I've said this uh, in my own family. You know what, these are things I'm committed to. I'm committed to loving Jesus with all the passion that I can until I die. How about you? I'm committed to that. I'm committed to being a person of the Word of God. It's part of my daily routine. I mean, you know, routines are good things. I get in the word every day. Why? Because I need it personally. I talk to the Lord. I'm, I'm here Sunday, not because I'm your pastor only, but I'm here because I'm a follower of Jesus. If I was not your pastor, I would be worshiping on Sunday morning. That's what I do. I'm committed financially in giving and giving above and beyond what, what I'm supposed to return to the Lord. I'm committed to doing that. Why? Because it's a principle. It's a conviction in my life. I'm committed to loving that woman as best as I can, like Jesus, until I die. I'm a one-woman man. I am committed to her. I'm going to love her. I'm committed to raising godly kids. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm not double-minded on any of those things. I don't do it all perfectly, but I'm not double-minded. you got to know what your life is about. you got to know where you're headed. But here's the good news. Paul says here next, he goes, I haven't achieved it yet. I li- another way of saying this in our common vernacular would be something like this. I haven't arrived yet. Aren't you grateful that the guy that God used to give us two-thirds of the New Testament that was taken into the third heaven, that, that was uh, seen miracles abounding from his ministry, he said, I haven't arrived yet. Can you all just relax? You know, last week we talked about holiness, and everybody, you know, the tendency is, oh, my gosh, pastor's talking about holiness, and we always focus on where we come short. Can I just encourage you? We're all going to come short all the time until the very end. None of us will ever love Jesus perfectly. How I many of you know we're still going from glory to glory to glory, but we're not going to all do it perfectly. I'm grateful. Paul said, I haven't arrived yet. That gives hope for me. How about you? <laughs> All right. I haven't been caught in the third heaven yet. And, uh, and, I, and I haven't written any of the New Testament. And by the way, I'm not planning on it. If I ever do, leave the church. But anyway, um, I'm not even on the same plane as that guy, same playing field. But he did say this. He may not have arrived yet, but he's doing some things that are important. He's staying humble. He's staying hungry. He's pursuing Jesus. And I like this. He says he's forgetting the past. I just want to, we've, we hit on this the last couple Sundays. I want to hit on it. Just touch on it. 
Forgetting the past does not mean you forget your failures, your mistakes, the, the things that you did that you wish you wouldn't have done. How I many you know the Apostle Paul had Christian people imprisoned and murdered? How I many of you think that might have been a little bit of a stumbling block to get over when God calls you to go minister to the very people? Maybe he went to certain cities and he's looking at people whose family members were killed because of his previous persecution of, that, of those people. How I many you know he didn't ever forget what he did? But here's the difference what Christianity does with forgiveness. It means that the things that you did in the past that you're ashamed of are no longer hindering your future progress. They're under the blood. There's been forgiveness. You've dealt with them, and you're moving on. And you've got to look ahead. You've got to forget the past. The Bible says this in Luke 9, verse 62. Anyone who puts their hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. What a great word. If you put your hand to the plow of following Jesus, determine in your heart that you're not going anywhere else. Hold on and follow straight ahead. Don't get distracted. Don't try to do one of these things and end up plowing this goofy trail uh, through the bean field, all right, or whatever it is that you're planting. Put your hands to the plow, and the Bible says, look forward. I like what Winston Churchill said. He said, if the present is quarreling with your past, you have no future. Isn't that good? If your present is still quarreling with your past, then you have no future. Get your eyes on looking ahead and on the goal that's before us. And Paul said this. He said, I press on. This word is a running word. It's a, it's a, it's a track word. It means vigorous training. It, it means the picture you have is when the finish line's right there. And if you're watching a great race, I've had four sons who were all, all pretty fast in their own rank. I've been to lots of track meets. I loved a good race when, when the runners are stretching out, putting their entire bodies forward to break through the finish line first. How many of you know that is a picture of how we're to enter our eternal reward? Not lollygagging, distracted, whatever. Full effort, full focus, leaning forward, breaking through the tape, and right into our Father's arms. How many of you got a vision with me, all right? That requires effort on our part, discipline on our part, grace of God on our behalf to help us get there. Now, let me be real practical this morning. I want to encourage your hearts I want to give you five race reminders. If the trail is holiness and we're running toward our prize, I want to give you some, some race reminders here that are very, very practical to help you out. Number one, this is good. Many trails are named not for what they look like, but for where they're taking you. Think about this for a minute. The trails aren't named for what they look like, but where they're taking you. If you're going off to uh, some beautiful uh, uh, mountain fall, you know, uh, uh, waterfall in the mountains way up there, um, you might be walking on some trails where there's no water to be found. In fact, let me, let me throw this out here for you. Sometimes you're going to have a road that's rocky, right, in life. Sometimes you're going to have a smooth trail. Sometimes the road is hard. You feel like, my gosh, I'm so tired. I don't know if I can keep going on. Other times, the road's so easy, it's enjoyable, you love it, you're loving the journey. Sometimes you got the wind in your face. I've had times where I felt like I was living with the wind in my face for a long, long time. Other times, I felt like the wind's at my back and everything's easy. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Circumstances change. Sometimes the road is dangerous, you got to pay close attention. Other times, man, you could put it on auto drive, man, you're just going and it's easy. Here's the point, don't lose sight of where you're headed because of what things look like now. If your final destination is to be with the Lord Jesus Christ 
and on redeemed earth that's going to blow our minds. That's where we're headed. If you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death now, I have a simple command and instruction for you. Keep walking. You don't stop and go, oh, my gosh, it's so dark here. It's so hard here. It's so tough here. I don't feel well. I'm dealing with this challenge or that challenge. Uh, Get your eyes on where the road is taking you. It's named after the destination, not where you're at now. Keep walking. Don't get disqualified. Some of you say, man, I'm a Christian. I thought the Lord was going to do this. I thought the Lord was going to do that. Well, he didn't work the way you thought. But guess what? The final destination is still clear. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. Keep moving ahead. Now, this next one is one maybe we struggle with even more. Look at number two. Never make the mistake of judging the trail by what it feels like. Paul, for crying out loud, who's talking to us about the prize that's waiting for us, is in prison. And this was not a comfortable prison. This was not a let's, let's take care of the prisoner prison. This is a nasty prison. You could die from just being in the prison. Don't make a mistake of judging the trail by what it feels like. How I many you know sometimes beautiful roads can take you to a dangerous cliff? Or a harder, rocky road can lead you to this beautiful, breathtaking waterfall that takes your breath away. But you had to go through all kinds of rocky stuff to even get there. Maybe you had to go uphill the whole way. I shared last week, Matthew 7, 13, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is narrow, and the road is difficult. Let me say that again. Narrow and difficult, and only a few ever find it. This is awesome to remember this morning. Sometimes you don't feel... Like this Christian journey is fun. You don't feel like you're on the right path. You're going through challenges, obstacles, the wind's blowing in your face. Don't dictate your destination by your feelings. Sometimes you just need to preach to yourself. I shared shared just this past week. We had groundbreaking, great Sunday. I got up Monday. It was a normal Monday. I felt the biggest wave of discouragement hit me. I mean, it felt like it's sucking the life out of me. You say, well, pastor, is your marriage okay? Yes, my marriage is, is great. How's your kids? My kids are doing well. Uh, any problems with the church? Did somebody call you up that morning and cuss you out or something like that? Nope, nobody cussed me out. It's a great one. It was a normal morning. Why did I feel depressed, discouraged? I mean, I'm talking heaviness. You know what I started doing? I started preaching to myself. I started singing and worshiping. I started getting in my word like I always do. Some habits are very important. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I started preaching to myself. I shared it with my wife. How many of you know it's always good to have people on the journey with you? That's why this is important. We're not meant to go camping alone. Camping is something you're meant to do with folks, all right? It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be a journey. You get people in your life that share your burdens, pray over you, love you enough to speak into your life. But here's what I didn't do. Oh, God feels a million miles away and my heart's so heavy. I'm going to turn in my resignation and operate heavy equipment. No. You don't want me on heavy equipment. That was an illusion, all right? I would starve to death and kill people. And you know what? I'm not going to quit my calling just because my feelings are not coordinating with my trail. Does that make sense? 
So you fight through things and you keep moving ahead and you keep your eyes on the destination. That makes the devil mad. I'm just telling you, when you keep reminding him about where he's going and where you're going, it makes him mad. Number three, always keep your, fo- your eyes focused on where the trail is taking you. That is your final destination. Don't focus on circumstances. Don't focus on, on the problems that are around you. How many of you know God created us with eyes that were meant to face the direction in which we walk? Where you look, that's where you walk. How many of you are grateful God didn't choose to put the eyes on the wrong side of your head so you go through life kind of doing one of these things? Uh, or go hiking that way. Just try it this week. Just call it backwards week, all right? And try to walk with the eyes on the wrong side of your head. It doesn't work very well. The whole purpose of our eyes is where we look, is where we go. This is important because if you're always looking backwards spiritually, you're not going to have much success. Where you look is where you're going to go. So here's the deal. We're on a journey. Throughout the journey, it's critical that you keep your eyes in the direction of your final destination. All right, number four, building on number three. This is important. I'm going to drill into this next week even more. That which you dwell on you're going to end up dwelling in. That which you dwell on, you're going to end up dwelling in. When Paul said, I focus on this one thing, he's giving us a principle of success. He's saying, you can't be looking at a thousand different things. You need to keep your eyes focused on the one thing. I've told this to husbands in marriages before. If your eyes are wandering, looking at everybody else's wife or looking at other people, instead of zoning in on your wife, you're going to have problems. If you focus on that one thing and you make her the object of your affection and you make sure she's beautiful, radiant, well taken care of, well dressed, and provided for in every way, and I make her my focus, then guess what? I'm married to a queen. But if my eyes on other people's wives or other people I'm not married to or have no relationship with, then I'm constantly distracted, and what I end up dwelling on, I end up getting involved in. And this is how so many men are destroyed. They begin to focus on things that they have no business focusing on. They begin to look at things that they have no business looking at, and they're distractions. And what you dwell on long enough, you become like it. And that's the scary thing for us. Paul said this about Jesus, or I'm sorry, this is about Jesus, Luke chapter 9, 51. Now when the time was approaching for him to be taken up, that is to heaven, he was determined to go to Jerusalem, I love this, to fulfill his purpose. How many of you know there's, there's two destinations he's got here? He's focusing on going back and to being restored into the immediate presence of his Father in heaven, And yet it says he had to go through the pathway that led to the final destination. Didn't look good, and it didn't feel good. I want to drive this home. How many of you know walking uphill after you've been beaten beyond recognition, and you're forced to carry your own instrument of death on your shoulders that have been shredded, uh, and you're walking uphill to Golgotha, uh, where you're going to be laid on that cross and nailed to that cross and hung between, suspended between heaven and earth, Walking up that hill did not feel good. Thank God Jesus didn't care about what it felt good. And number two, it didn't look like he was going to heaven. And it didn't look like he was bringing anybody with him at the time. 
He probably was looking through blood-stained eyes because of the profuse blood, blood flow running over his face. It didn't look good or feel good, but how many of you know Jesus kept his eye on the name of the trail and where the trail was taking him? This is important. It says he was determined. Another passage, I love the translation, says this. He moved steadily onward toward Jerusalem with an iron will. That's the kind of inward commitment and dedication the Lord is trying to instill in us as men and women of God. An iron will that is set on fulfilling the purpose that God had for us. Now take a look at this. Point number five. I'm wrapping up with this. We must focus on those things that are consistent with our calling. Paul says this from jail once again. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. I mean, you know, if heaven is our destination, we need to be focusing on things that contribute to our destination. We need to be thinking and meditating and spending our time on things that are contributing to our call. And I want you to hear the words here. These are strong words from Paul. A prisoner in jail for Jesus, I beg you, if I could stand here today and I'm the apostle Paul, I'm speaking on his behalf, he'd be saying, please, saints, please live a life worthy of the amazing, incredible, awesome call of God on your life. He'd be pleading with us, begging with us, yearning, challenging with great intensity. I want you to think for a moment, how many of you in this room have submitted your life to the Lord Jesus Christ? Get both hands up or I want to see you. Love, you love Jesus Christ, all right? I want to ask you this question. Why are you saved? How many of you know you're saved because God chased you down? You're saved because of grace. You're saved because of the mercy of God. Have any of you ever just paused in a moment of worship when you feel overcome, overwhelmed by the goodness of God and simply asked this question, why me? I'm nobody special. Why me? Why do I know the Lord? There's still people in other parts of the world waiting to hear the good news of the gospel. That's why one of our four R's is reaching the unreached. There's still people in our city waiting to hear the good news. You know what? Every one of us in this room have been apprehended by Jesus. And let me ask you a question. Did he save you for any particular reason, or are you just hanging out, chilling? Let me answer the question for you. God doesn't save us for nothing. You're you're saved for a purpose. Which leads me to the next question. Do you know your purpose? You know, that's one of the greatest questions any human being could ever discover the answer to is this question right here. Why am I here on this planet right now for such a time as this? That's a profound question. I just want, I want to challenge you to wrestle with that question. How I many of you know there are gifts and abilities and anointings and talents and treasures and things God's deposited in you that aren't just for common use? I don't know what I'm talking about. And let me just say this, when you discover your purpose and you step into your purpose, you're one of the most happy people on planet Earth. You're one of the most fulfilled people on planet Earth. And you know what? You don't want raccoons jumping on your chest, licking your nose and your lips and your ears and everything else um, because raccoons aren't part of your call. In fact, let me, let me share this with you in closing. This is Philippians 
It's my third and final closing, I promise. Paul says this, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. Everybody say that with me. Fix your thoughts. Say it again. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Why is that important? Because that which you dwell on, you end up dwelling in. Why is it at Living Stones that we have not gone the way of many churches and gone to like sing two songs, pass the plate, sit down, give a 20-minute sermon and get you out in an hour or less? Let me tell you why we're never going to do that. Because what you dwell on ends up dwelling in you. Why? Isn't it great? I don't know about you, but I love the fact that we worship here long enough in God's presence, singing that you can shake some of the dust off. I've been in places before where you're just starting to come alive and worship's done. Because the goal is to get you in and out. I mean, if you know, you never want to make your goal with God to get in and out. You want to get in and stay in. You want to, you want to pursue Him to where the glory gets so strong in you, on you, among us that no one wants to leave. Anybody know what I'm talking about? What you dwell on, you end up dwelling in. Which is why I want to give you this as just a practical thing pastorally. Friday night comes. You're choosing what you want to do to, you know, go out and have some fun. Let's go to the movies. Here's what you do. You take Philippians 4.8 and you lay it over the description of the movie. How many of you know there's a great resource called Plugged In? It's by Focus on the Family. It will tell you everything in the movie. Now let me give you an example. When the movie says there's 49 F-words, F-bombs. Now here's what happens to most of us. We wonder why we have trouble when we're angry dropping F-bombs. You just had somebody lay 49 of them in your lap in a two-hour period. Now, I know, you guys are Christians. You don't cuss on the outside, but you cuss on the inside. I, I know how it works. Oh, yeah, you don't run around, yeah, you effing, well, some of you might. I don't know. Some of you are less places of sanctification. I'm just saying, stop it. That's not acceptable behavior on where you're going. But see, we get, we get sanctified. And so then we just cuss on the inside. We hit our finger or whatever, and we're like, you know, like speaking in tongues under your breath. (laughs) And then occasionally in a highly unsanctified moment, what you've allowed in for entertainment comes out like excrement. And you wonder, where did that come from? (laughs) I know where it came from. You've been eating it with your popcorn. Or you say, man, I wonder why, you know, I'm just struggling with lust. There's like three sex scenes in the movie you just watched. And you're watching somebody else have sex. Now let me just ask you this question. If you went to your neighbors and looked in their window and watched them have sex, you would be arrested. But you go to the movies for entertainment... (laughs) 
you're still a pervert. You're just at the movies instead of looking at your neighbor's house. What you dwell on, you end up dwelling in. If you don't like studying in manure, stay away from the, from the barn. If you like that smell, keep hanging out. How many people have struggled with various issues in their life because they, they just wanted to sample it? Or they just wanted to watch somebody else. I, I'm not going to do it, but I'm going to... I'm going to go and watch somebody else. You know, I just talked to my son about something. Again, I'm, just, I'm laying out standards for this. I'm not saying, thus saith the Lord. This is not, you're not going to find a verse on this. But these are principles. How many know you can get certain, certain TV things in your home? Netflix, Hulu, Zulu, whatever. I mean, there's a million of them, all right? Well, I'm not Mr., you know, high tech. But I have figured out that with good programs also comes perversion. And when I'm on Facebook or whatever else, and all of a sudden an ad pops up and says, you can see the 10 hottest sex scenes on Netflix. Now, I didn't ask for that to come up on my feed. But I'll tell you one thing. As soon as I saw it, Netflix left my house. You know why Netflix left my house? Because I'm responsible for 10 of us. And I don't want my youngins or myself stumbling upon something I had no intention to look at, but guess what? The devil's a smart raccoon. You gotta you gotta put the lock on the garbage can. You gotta put the lock on the good stuff to keep them from eating the good stuff, not just the garbage. So my point was Netflix is history in the Johnson household. Because I'm not gonna have poop in my brownies. I'm also serious about where I'm going. I'm also very realistic about my weakness. I just want to encourage you. If you ever see your pastor on the side of the trail, don't kick me. Help me back up. All right? And I'll say that to all of you. This is not a church that kicks our wounded. This is not a church that that disassociates from people who aren't perfect. Because guess what? The church would be empty this morning, including the pastor. There'd be no one in the pulpit. This is a church that believes in the process. But here's the deal. Man, I don't know about you. When I'm around somebody working hard, running hard, playing hard, living hard, it inspires me to turn it up a few notches. Andy, you're an athlete. You know, you've, you've trained with people that have, that have pushed you, and I'm sure you have pushed other people. That's what I'm talking about. It's about, you know what, let's be on this journey together. Let's challenge each other to be like Jesus. Let's make Christ-likeness our aim. Let's make sure we're spending our time in places when we leave, we feel edified, not like we feel slimed. It's certainly not for entertainment purposes. Let's go to dark places. Let's go to dirty places, but let's go there because we're bringing Jesus with us to those places, not because we're going there to imbibe in what's going on or to become like everybody else. What you dwell on, you end up dwelling in. What's coming out of you right now? You're going to become like that which you set your affections and your gaze and your focus on. 
If you spend time, I've been telling my kids this, turn, you know, and our, t- our TV is not an issue in our house. I just want you to know that we don't watch a lot of TV. Um, but there's other distractions. There's, there's the handheld, you know, I mean, you know, constant. Every, you know what I'm talking about? It's like babies come out of the womb with, a, with something on their hands now. It's a phone. That's the, that's the wave of the future. They're just going to be built in. Hey, when's feeding time? Hey, good, five minutes. All right. Siri, tell mom, feed me the bottle. All right, you know, I mean, who knows what's going to happen. But here's the point. How about this? Read godly things. Watch godly things. You know, if you're sing- if you got all this music on, you're like, oh, boom, 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 and you're singing about F-bombs and this and that and perversion. In fact, i got to tell you a story. Marion's in the car in a foreign country with one of our pastor's wives, and there's an American radio station on, and there is this song blasting that is the most perverted, disgusting song. The only difference is the, the Russian who's driving the car doesn't know English, and Marion's looking at this like, what is this? Because listen, if you listen to all that C-R-A-P all the time, it gets in your spirit. And you wonder why, man, you know, I just, you know, I just can't connect and worship. Well, hello, you've been eating manure all week long. And when you have a chance to gaze upon the beauty of Jesus and fall in love with him, you like don't know what to do. You got manure in your teeth. Yeah. Brush your teeth and quit eating that stuff. Change your diet. Man, pastor, I'm just so unhappy. I, I got news for you. I can teach you how to be happy. I can teach you how to be happy. Pastor, I'm just full of all these thoughts. What are you focusing on in your life? Start replacing the garbage with the good. Start loving people. Start looking at other people's needs. Start finding out ways you can touch other people. And it's amazing the joy that begins to fill your spirit. Listen, we're going somewhere. It's awesome. None of us want to miss this trip. None of us want to miss this trip. We need to work together. We need, hey, hey, look, look forward, pal, right there. Let's go. Hey, you're getting off track there. We need to be doing this. Like herding cats, at, you know. When I used to take my kids to the beach. Oh, God, there's no vacation at the beach for a parent of eight. Are you kidding me? We got the floaty pants, filling with water, woo, like floating out in the ocean. The head's down like bobbers. I'm plucking them out. Get over here. Hey, hey, bring it back. Hey, I'm laying on the beach like this. And then I come back here. Pastor, was your vacation good? Are you kidding me? No, I need a break. Get me out of here. Send me away by myself. This is what pastors deal with with hurting their flock. So we're all going the same direction and nobody's falling off the ship or off the trail that we all make it. Someday we're going to be standing. Come on. It's, it, you've all stood in line to get it, enter into the water park, theme park, ride the latest ride. Woo, you're so excited. It goes up 300 feet and drops you straight down. You throw up at the bottom. It's awesome. You know, you're, you're waiting in line five hours because you're going to ride this ride and you're going to wait in the front of the ride. Listen. All that's like counterfeit stuff for the real deal. Can you imagine when we're getting ready to enter the new earth with King Jesus? You need to imagine that. You need to start thinking about those things because it fills your heart with joy. Because here's the thing. God says it's exceedingly abundantly beyond what you could even think of. And you cannot even comprehend it, the Bible says, but try to because it'll make you happy. That's what we're talking about. You don't want to miss this party. 
stay on the highway of holiness, and you do that by keeping the destination in sight. Stop looking at how you feel or what the road looks like now. You're going somewhere awesome. Keep your eye on the trail name. It's going to take you somewhere. Stand to your feet. We want to pray. Hallelujah. Going to a party. Come on. We love you, Lord. Father, help us. You know, we're weak. We know we get distracted. We got like spiritual ADD. We can't keep focused. We can't keep our eyes on what we need to focus on. Lord Jesus, help us to keep our eyes on the destination. You're the destination. Heaven is the destination. And being with all of us together as a family is going to be the most incredible thing we can ever dream of. So help us to dream on these things, Lord. I pray that you strengthen us, encourage us. Lord, if there's those that have just been knocked off the trail, they just need a hug, they need some encouragement, may we give that this week. But Lord, we're, we're going out into a world that needs you. We want to get more people on the trail. We want to get more people on this highway of holiness that's leading us somewhere. So help us to love people well this week. And I just want to say, if you're here today, you don't know Jesus, we want to pray with you. That's, a great, that's why you're here, to meet Christ and to discover your purpose in life. So there'll be some people up here in the front waiting for you. We just want to agree with you in prayer. We want to get to know you, all right? If you need prayer for anything this morning, that's why we're here. Don't forget marriage class at four o'clock today. Don't forget the grab and go. Let's bless our kids and send them off to Buffalo to love on people. Father, we say this all, pray this all, do it all for your glory now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. We love you. Have a great day.